Here we go. Um, we are going to be starting a new series, kind of a journey over the next 10 weeks through the book of Judges. Uh, Judges is the seventh book of the Bible found in the Old Testament, and it might be a book that uh, some are less familiar with than others. And I, I, one of the goals that I have for our church during this 10-week series is that by the end, you would know the Bible more than you do right now. You would really know the book of Judges well. And what's even more important than that is that you would know how an Old Testament book, like the book of Judges, actually applies to your life right now. That's one of my goals. So this series is called Broken Heroes. Broken Heroes. And uh, it is, the reason it's called Broken Heroes is because the book of Judges is about God's people being so broken that God has raised up leaders or heroes in order to rescue them from their brokenness, all right? And so he raises up these leaders called judges that are going to help his people. Now, here's the problem, though. Even the best of the judges are actually broken people themselves, and so here's what you see in the book of Judges, broken heroes leading broken people. And then sometimes that's a recipe for disaster. If you see the, the screen in front of you, we actually added that viewer discretion advised. Because if you know anything about the book of Judges, it is far from a fairy tale. It is much more like a dumpster fire. It is hard to watch. Something. It's like a train wreck. It's hard to watch, but you can't look away. And the reason you can't look away is actually this, because the book of Judges and what's happening in Judges is more like the culture we're living in now than you might think. And actually, the book of Judges is more relatable to your life and to my life right now than you might think. All right, so let's dive in. We're going to be in Judges chapter 1 and 2 uh, as we start today. And my goal is to give you a lay of the land. Oh, before I do that, the last sentence in the book of Judges, uh, chapter 21, verse 25, sums up the book of Judges really well. It says this, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Right? That sums up Judges, sums up our culture right now. Sometimes it sums up the way we live, and that's the theme that you're going to see in Judges. All right, so three points today. There's the context, the compromise, and the cycle. And one of my hopes is today that you would get a lay of the land of what's to come in the book of Judges and see some of the themes today and how they're going to apply uh, to your life. And as Dom mentioned, you can actually pull up the app if you downloaded it, and you can see all my outline and my notes and the passages that I'm going through, and you can click on and actually take notes in there. So it's a nice resource. All right. So let's jump in first to the context. Judges chapter 1, verse 1. Seems like a good place to start. Here we go. After the, death of after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And I'm going to stop there because what you see right here in this passage is there is a death of an important leader named Joshua. And that's going to make us take a look at the context of the book of Judges. It comes right after the book of Joshua. Right, Joshua is a book about a great leader in Israel's history named Joshua. 
And Joshua was the one who succeeded Moses after Moses died. Joshua led the Israelites into the land that God had promised. And Joshua was a great leader because he trusted God the whole way. What made Joshua such a great leader wasn't that he tried really hard, but he did two things. These are really important. I want you to get these. He listened to God, and he depended on God's strength and not his own. Right? He listened to God, and he depended on God's strength and not his own. And by doing that, it was amazing that God did miracle after miracle after miracle through Joshua's leadership, not because of Joshua, but because of how much he depended on the Lord. One of those examples, if you remember in Joshua, is the story of the Battle of Jericho where Joshua, just through marching around the walls and having his people shout, the walls came down, and God did everything else. It was amazing what God did through Joshua. And so the reason I say that is because I want you to know that Joshua sets the tone for what God's expectations are for his people. And that's this, is if you would listen to me, and you would rely on my strength and not your own, I'll do everything you need me to do. Every victory that you need, I will give you. I've got you. All right? Now, the reason I say all that is enter Judges. We begin Judges. Joshua is now dead, and a new generation of Israelites has now come on the scene. All right? So I want you to move now to Judges chapter 2, verses 7 to 10. It says this, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. And they had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance, in timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaish. I'm not sure if I pronounced any of that right. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Now read that last sentence again. Joshua's dead. A new generation is on the scene, and it says, there arose a generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Here's what's happening in the book of Judges. A new generation comes on the scene, and they forget all that God had done in Israel's history to get them to the point they're at now. And I, I don't think it's that they don't know. Because they would have known these stories. They, they would have remembered the story of the Red Sea parting and, and, and the escape of the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians and across the Red Sea and all these amazing stories where God would guide them and provide bread when they needed it, provide water, lead them by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They would have remembered all these Stories, but they forgot something really important that what got them through all of those things was not their own strength. It was that they listened to God and God got them through. 
And that's what's happening. What, what happened was they didn't allow God's amazing promises that he fulfilled in the past to motivate them to trust him with their future. Right? And that's what you see in the book of Judges. And I think if we're not careful as we apply this book, if we're not careful, we can do the same exact thing. There might be times in your life where you have felt really close to God. Maybe when you first came to know Jesus as your Savior, there's been moments in your life where he's given you gifts and, uh, or, or, or there are things that have, your prayers have been answered and you just see God at work. And you're just riding the ride and you're like, man, this is amazing. It's going so well and you're dependent on him and you're worshiping him. But sometimes those high times can begin to fade and the further you distance yourself from those amazing times of God's strength, the easier it is to forget. And before you know it, you can be like the new generation of the Israelites where instead of really relying on his strength, you're relying on your own strength and you're just kind of going through the motions with God. And that's what's happening here. I think it's uh, a lot like marriage can be sometimes. I actually did a wedding here just yesterday. I officiated a wedding and uh, the newlywed couple, you know, when they get married, they're so happy. They're so in love. And it's amazing to watch. But what maybe they, they don't know is there's going to be times in their marriage where they will, uh, love won't come as easy, right? They might lose some of that loving feeling. And if that happens for long enough, what ends up happening is they just start going through the motions of marriage, uh, I will say for Jillian and I, this happened uh, big time. We had three kids, three years and under, when our three kids were, three older kids were really young. And uh, we were in this exhaustive season where life was so crazy and we weren't able to connect on like any level. And so what happened uh, is this, is we started going through the motions of marriage. And, and, and it wasn't really coming alive. We became kind of like, Roommates, And what happens in marriage, if you start going through the motions, it can go downhill quickly if you don't make changes. If you don't go back and remember what God had done to bring the two of you together and remember the love that you had for your spouse when you first married him or her, right? That, that's what you need to do. And if you don't do that, you can easily become somebody who's just going through the motions of marriage and just kind of like, Roommates, and if that happens long enough, a marriage can go downhill. Here's what I want you to see as we open up the context of the book of Judges. What you see is that Joshua is dead, this great leader who trusted God. A new generation of Israelites are on the scene, and they forget. They forget that if they would just listen to God and trust in his strength and not their own, they would be fine. And what happens, the more you distance yourself from those things, the more you forget. It's kind of a spiritual amnesia. What happens is they start going through the motions. They become apathetic. And if you start going through the motions for long enough, eventually you will be willing to do things you've never done before. You'll be willing to compromise the standards you once had. That's what we're seeing in this book. That leads me to the next point, which is the compromise. There's something that happens in this, in this book of Judges that really sets off the whole book, and that's this compromise that the Israelites make. So I want you to see, I want you to see what this is. Um, God made something very clear 
to the Israelites in Joshua and in Judges. And this is what he made very clear. The Canaanites were this great big people. And they were wicked people and they worshiped other gods. And God said to the Israelites, you need to drive out the Canaanites and I will do it for you. Drive out the Canaanites because, and he was saying this because if you don't drive them out, if you keep them around, what's going to happen is you're going to be influenced by them because they worship all these other gods. They are worshiping pagan gods. They are doing horrible things. They are my enemies. They are wicked. And so if you keep them around, what's going to happen is you could start worshiping other gods instead of me, the one true God. They said, drive out the Canaanites. And the reason that God gave them this message is because God did not want to share his glory with anyone else. He knew that as soon as they started worshiping other gods or as soon as they started hanging out, they might worship those gods. And so God's message to the Israelites is this. Don't make any compromises with the Canaanites. You've got to drive them out. It's the only way that I want you to do it. And of course, I emphasize that because the Israelites ended up doing the very thing that God said not to do. Verse 28 of chapter 1 says this. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did, listen, not drive them out completely. You see what's happening here is it says that doesn't say they couldn't drive them out. It says they were really strong. It says they didn't. They just didn't do it. God said, drive the Canaanites out. And they're like, you know what? Maybe instead of driving them out, we'll just put them into forced labor. We'll just make them our slaves. The problem with that is that is not what God said. What the Israelites are doing is trying to compromise. God, let's just meet in the middle. But it's not what God said. Look at then chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. Again, God gives this clear command. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you have done? One of the things I want you to see is the problem with the Israelites in the book of Judges is they didn't listen. They didn't do what God said. And God is not happy with them. One of the things that I want you to see in this, though, is that it, it wasn't that the Israelites were unable to do what God said. It's that they were unwilling to do what God said. It wasn't that they couldn't do it. It's just that they didn't do it. And remember in the beginning where I said the book of Judges is more relatable to our life than you might think. Well, this is where it gets super relatable, I think. There is a, uh, there's a book called Judges for You. It's actually this uh, really understandable commentary uh, by Tim Keller about the book of Judges, and it gives great insight. Our community groups are actually using it as uh, to go through. Our leaders are actually using it for discussion and all of that. And so if you want to pick this up, you should. It's really good. One of 
the things Tim Keller says about what we're talking about right now is this. He says, it is worth asking ourselves, where am I saying I can't, but God is saying you won't? Where in my life am I saying I can't, but God is saying you won't? I think that's a really important question that all of of us need to ask ourselves. Because there there are times in our lives where we know full well that there is something God is asking us to drive out, much like the Canaanites. Like there's something that God wants us to deal with, to get rid of in our lives, but our response sometimes is, I can't. I can't. I, it's too hard. It's impossible. There's no way that I can possibly get rid of that thing. And so we begin to make compromises. And I, I don't know what it, it could be for you. I try to think of some examples. Like there's something in your life that's this, this sin that you have struggled with for a very long time. And you know, you know that God doesn't want that part of that thing in your life and you're supposed to drive it out, but instead you just kind of keep it over here and you just kind of let it hang out for a little while. And it's it, slowly, it's starting to really hurt you. It could be that there's this group of people or this person in your life that's really bringing you down and, and you're just keeping them around when you know that they're actually really bad for you and you're going to have to do something, you're going to have to address this and make some changes, but instead it's kind of just easier to just keep them around. It could be, uh, sometimes this happens, there's a trauma that happened in your life like a long time ago, maybe decades ago, and you know that it's been really hurting you. It's been hurting your day-to-day life. It hurts your marriage. It actually hurts your parenting. It comes out in different ways, and you know you need to deal with it, but you kind of just put it over here and say, I don't want to address it right now. Now, we say, I can't, and God says, actually, it's probably that you just just won't. You just don't want to do it, and I think if we're honest, when we say we can't do something, it's because it's just easier to stay where we're at. It's easier to not make the change. It's easier to justify why we're just going to stay the same. And I think what happened with the Israelites is God said, drive out the Canaanites. Like, that's my command. That's what I want you to do is drive them out. And the Israelites said, you know what? We're going to keep them around. We're going to keep them around. We're going to treat them as slaves. So it's a little bit like you said, God, but not the whole way. So we're going to just keep them around. And here's what I think that means for us in our lives. What is that thing that you are just saying, I'm going to keep this around? You know God doesn't want you to keep it around, but you're keeping it around anyway. What is that, that thing that God's saying, you need to drive this thing out, but you are unwilling to do it? For the Israelites... Oh, by the way, I think this is the way it works sometimes with God. You know, we're supposed to give our whole lives to him, and what happens is we give a lot of our lives to him, but we keep, we're like, but this thing's mine. This one thing I'm going to kind of keep control on. We give God our our Sundays, but, you know, our Monday through Friday is kind of ours to deal with. Or we, we give God our family, but, you know, our finances are just like mine. Those are mine to do what I want with. We give God uh, our public life, but we give him what happens behind closed doors. Our private life is just ours. 
And I think this is kind of some of the things that we can apply from the book of Judges. For the Israelites, it wasn't that they couldn't, it was that they wouldn't. And here's the key that I want to talk about today. The reason they wouldn't is because they forgot how it worked. That they had, the reason that Israel had gotten to the place they were at was not on their own strength. It was on the strength of God. They didn't look back. They forgot all that God had done, that he parted the Red Sea, that he, that he knocked the walls of Jericho down, that he gave them and rained down bread from heaven, that he put pillar of cloud in the sky and a pillar of fire in the, in the sky to let them be guided the whole way, that everything that happened in Israel's history was not them. It was God. It was all his strength if they would just listen to him. But instead... They just said, I can't. But God said, no, it's not that you can't. It's that you won't, because if you knew the way it worked, you would realize that you're right. You can't, but I can. So this is the interesting thing about God, is the success of Israel had nothing to do with their strength. It had to do all with God's strength. God didn't look at Israel, and he doesn't look down on you and go, hey, you can do anything that you put your mind to. He doesn't say that. He goes, no, I can do anything that I want to do in and through you if you would just trust me. That's God's message to the Israelites. It's God's message to us. And I want you to know this, that this is, this is the whole Bible. The whole Bible has one cohesive message and the message is this, and some people get it mixed up because they go, oh, the Old Testament, completely different from the New Testament. Ignore the Old Testament. It's weird. It's hard to understand. But actually, here's the truth of the Old Testament. It was never supposed to be us living by our strength. It was always God's strength. It wasn't us and our own strength doing it was God doing things through us the New Testament is the same thing and what the Old Testament does is it just points us to what happens in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel is this the God, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior you don't come to him and go alright I can finally do this I'm going to try really hard now God, no the gospel is this you can't do it you don't have the strength to do it you don't have the power to do it right? the the, uh, the, in your strength, you will always fall short of God's glory. You will, even the best things you do don't measure up to his standard. And that's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to give his life in your place so that if you would trust in Jesus, you would now live a life not in your own strength, but in the strength of Jesus who gave his life to you. And that's the gospel. And so here's what we do as followers of Jesus. We, we believe, a lot of us in here today, we believe Jesus rescued us from sin and death and hell and raised us up to a brand new life. He did this miracle in our life. But here's what we do. We have this, this struggle that we're still dealing with, you know, the thing over here that we don't want to drive out of our lives. And we go, oh, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done, but I can't do this. And Jesus is like, no, you're right, you can't, but I can. He says, this is not about what you can do. It's about what I can do through you. And I think sometimes we look and we go, how can, how can he not help you with this? 
Right? If, if God raised Jesus from the grave, how can he also not bring you out of those graves or those struggles that you're still dealing with? And we have to go back and remember all that he has done so that we can trust him in the future. It leads me to my last point. And the last point is the cycle. One of the things that you see in the book of Judges is this, that if you are unwilling to listen to God and to depend on his strength, it's not going to be long before you just start going through the motions of faith in God. And after you start going through the motions for long enough, your faith can really go downhill quickly. Judges 2, 11 to 13 says this, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreth. Right? The consequences of compromise are that eventually you start going through the motions. And it, if you go through the motions for long enough, right, things go downhill quickly. What happened to the Israelites was the exact thing that God feared was going to happen. Right? They went from compromising and saying, oh, we'll just keep the Canaanites around and you know, use them for forced labor to actually living like the Canaanites. They started adopting their gods and worshiping their gods and doing the things they did, and pretty soon you couldn't tell the difference between the Canaanites and the Israelites. And that's what happens. I want you to know that um, God wants our whole life to be given to him. And when we don't give him our whole life, and when we start going through the motions, what ends up happening is that we end up giving our life to something. And it might not be, you know, the gods of Baal and Asherah, these weird gods that are here in the Old Testament, but we have our own gods. You know, we, we, we give our lives to the God of money, the God of career, the God of success, the God of a good reputation. And as soon as you start going through the motions, you will start giving yourself to another God. And the message of Judges is, listen, there's only one true God. And if you start giving your life to other gods, it is going to lead to disaster. Thus is the reason for God raising up Judges. And this is what happens. Look at verses 16 to 19. This really sums up the whole book. Then the Lord raised up judges, heroes, leaders, who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked and had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, 
going to other gods, serving them, and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. All right, get ready, people. The next 10 weeks is going to be wild because this is the cycle of sin in the judges. And I'm going to put a diagram up there to kind of show you what was just talked about and what you're going to see in Judges. What happens is the people of Israel, they sin. They start worshiping other gods. As soon as they do that, they get oppressed by other nations. Life gets really hard. Things are terrible. They feel really terrible for leaving the one true God, and so they repent and come back to God. God brings a judge on the scene to deliver them. That's the deliverance. And then once they're delivered, they have peace. And and after a while, they just go right back to the same thing. And it just becomes this vicious cycle of the judges. And if you heard what I said, what it says in there, it says it got worse every time. It got more, and it got worse and worse and worse. And this is, this is kind of one of the huge themes of the book of Judges. And this is what I kind of want us to see as we close today. That, first of all, this cycle is our cycle. This is a cycle of sin for every single one of us. And we sin, we get in our own way, we see the consequences of it, it's devastating. We repent, and we come back. God delivers us because he's given us Jesus and we come back and we have peace. And this can often be a vicious cycle for us, but what I want you to see in Judges is that God raised up broken heroes. Heroes that did not have the power to end the cycle of sin. And when you look at Judges, it only makes you long for a hero that isn't broken, for a hero that can actually end the cycle of sin in your life. And it points us to Jesus. And I want you to know that Jesus, once for all, came on the scene to be our ultimate hero, to be the one to save us from our sins, to give us new life, and to end the cycle forever. Would you trust in Jesus? And would you see him in the book of Judges as we go through over the next 10 weeks? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for being Um, Our God, we thank you for helping us to know that we can trust you with our lives. Lord, that I pray that today we would do better at listening to you and, and allowing your strength to work through us and not our strength. Lord, I pray that, um, over the next 10 weeks, you would do some amazing things in and through the study of this book. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.